Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today is Thursday, October 16th, 2014. Open forum this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith along with Donna Smith, and uh, I had to cut your phone off over there, Donna, because I heard you typing there. Are you there? Hello? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, I'm here then. (laughs) She's all confused. She's got her fingers going. She's got things up and everything. I was just thinking before the show, you know, man, you know, I, I just realized, you know, I mean, October 16th, the big holidays are right around the corner. Uh, I mean, are you ready for uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year, that time of year again? Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm always ready for cooking and cookies and, and yummy food. Everybody's going to be coming over here wanting you to do your uh, famous feast, so that's something to look forward to. But, hey, it's open forum, and uh, we threw up some ideas. We'd like to talk a little bit about the... Uh, FMCSA's ability to establish uh, entry-level, uh, you know, driver training standards, something that's been going on for a few decades and just don't really understand why it's so difficult to do so. But it's open forum. Whatever you'd like to talk about, uh, trucking-related, we will try to hang in there with you, and we'll just see how it all goes. And, Donna, you're giving away uh, a couple uh, CDs. We got two uh, Tony Justice CDs going out tonight. And it'll be for the first two callers. We usually do it for people in the chat room, but we've had some problems in the chat room. People couldn't get a connection from their phone. Some people couldn't even get a connection from their desktop. We don't really know what's going on, but we just figured we'd do the the uh, contest a little different tonight. So the first um, the first two people who call in, uh, they get a Tony Justice CD. And that is. Uh... Which CD is that? Oh, that's the Apple Pie Moonshine CD. Sorry. Okay, Apple Pie Moonshine. Okay, well, board's already filling up. I don't. I haven't even had time to uh, see what states uh, is all up here. It's already filling up, so I'll do that during the break. But we'll do a quick little break. Be back. Open forum. Truth about trucking live. Hang with us, and we will get the ball rolling. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, 
they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, Ready Porter. Man, it's crowded tonight. Care if I join you? Sure, have a seat. Sorry about the paperwork. Name's Cole. Appreciate it. I'm Harlan, by the way. Here's a fill-up for you guys. Thanks, honey. Harlan, you look hungry. What can I get you? I'll have a Coke and whatever he's having. Back in a bit. What are you doing with all this paperwork, driver? Looks like you're tripping over your trip sheets. Want to get a jump on these taxes before they jump me. There is a better way to manage your trucking paperwork. With TripSheetCentral.com, you're a login away from tracking every aspect of your business. TripSheetCentral.com organizes your information easily so you can see how your business is performing. That sounds easy. And it's fast. Time-consuming paperwork is eliminated with a low-cost monthly subscription. I no longer have to worry about invoices, settlement reports, or fuel tax returns. TripSheetCentral.com does that for me. Manage your business information securely with TripSheet Central. Visit TripSheetCentral.com at your next stop. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Now, Donna, you want to just go ahead and start off with a two-CD giveaway? Because I have several people up here with the hands already up. Oh, well, I don't see the switchboard, so you'd have to tell me the numbers. Oh, I know. Is that what you want to do? Though? Okay, let's. well, we have people with hands up, and Alan's going to, um, I guess you can open their line and ask who they are, and, and yeah. they can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I would need to do. So what we do is we I've been the first ones that kind of popped up here. So we have Ohio, Vermont, Missouri, Texas, Alabama, New York. It just kind of goes all over the place. But the first ones up on the board were uh, Ohio and Vermont. So let's open up Ohio, area code 216. Go ahead. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Hey, good evening, everybody. My name is Chuck, uh, Chuck Timlin, and I'm uh, in Olmstead Falls, Ohio, just outside uh, Cleveland, uh, Hopkins Airport area. All right, Chuck. Well, thanks for joining us. What's going on? Oh, now do you do you? Uh, okay, you won the CD. Uh, do yeah. you already? <laughs> we'll do the contest first. So, um, I think I see you on Facebook. I, I guess what we usually do, if you're new to our show, you can just uh, private message your address, and we mail you the CD. And that's uh, that's how we do it. Or I can private message you. So either way, your your last name. It's Excuse me, it's Timblin. It's T I M B L I N. And thank you very much. You're very welcome. Okay, so okay, so Chuck will get the uh uh Tony Justice C D. Uh all right, well let's just you know, let's roll along here and uh, as we roll along I may just open up everybody's line since it's uh, open forum, but uh 
what did what did you have for us, Chuck? Well, I just uh, I seen your topics, uh, you know, on Facebook here as I was browsing around this afternoon, and uh, you know, I drive myself, and you know, looks like a lot of good topics. Uh, I don't really have anything in particular to start off with, but uh, probably have plenty to add on as we go along. Okay. okay. All right. Good. Yeah, it's open form, so I'll just probably end up opening up everybody's line. Let's get Vermont here because he's the winner of the CD. He or she is a winner of the the Tony Justice CD. Uh, Vermont, area code 802. Welcome to the show. Hi, Alan. How are you? Good. Uh, Who's this? John. Hey. Oh, hey, John. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you talk. <laughs> yeah. You talking to me? Uh, okay. So, so you, so you've got John. So, okay. So there's the CDs, right? Yeah, John. Do you already have a Tony Justice Apple Pie Moonshine CD? Never, never have one. Okay. I did not, don't have one. I, um, I never won anything in my life, so I appreciate it. Okay, great. Well, you have to. All you have to do is, uh, you know, private message your your address, and we'll get them out to you, both to you and to Chuck. Okay. Well, I know what you want to talk about. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> let wow. me go ahead and open up. Just let me go ahead and open up everybody's line because it is open forum, and I know everybody probably get irritated sitting on hold. Let's go to area code two one zero Texas. Hey, You're on there. Everybody, this is Jeff. Hey, oh, Jeff. Okay, hey, Jeff. And then hey, let's drop down. Doing? Oh, good. Doing good. Good night. Let's drop down to Missouri, area code 417. Welcome to the show. Hey, Alan. It's Hal. Hey, oh, Hal. hey, Hal. Good to hear from you. And I'm looking here. I've got to scroll way down here. That's all the hands I see right now. Everybody's just listening. So uh, all your lines are open. We're just going to start to open forum. Uh, John, go ahead. Take it away. Everybody feel free to just jump in whenever. You know, what, what do you got, John? What do I got? Um, <laughs> every time I bring up the word union, everybody jumps all over me like I'm saying a dirty word. I, I, I'm not sure what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't know what uh, people are waiting for. I mean, the, the drivers have been complaining now for I don't know how many years. Working right. conditions have been getting progressively worse. Right. And everybody's sitting around, and they're waiting for some guardian angel to come out of the sky, wave a wand, and make everything better. And it, it just doesn't work that way. If you, the government can't change things, and, and it's not going to change things. And they're going to negotiate wages and contracts and working conditions. They'll give people the bare bones minimum to make sure that they don't get exploited. But they're not going to uh, give them any great wage or uh, uh, any um, real status. Uh, you know, uh, they're just going to give them bare bones minimum protection. The rest is up to the employees of the companies that we work for. And the way we've been treated over the last 35, 40 years as employees has basically been we've been industry's only asset and the only place that they could go ahead and cut. And they've been cutting employee benefits and employee wages for 35 years, not just in trucking, but in just about all blue-collar industries. I mean, and it's killing America. I mean, because people don't have any money to spend. They're having a hard time supporting themselves. They can't spend money on things that, that would boost the economy. 
And, uh, you know, with the unions, you, the decline of the unions is part of the reason people don't have any money in their pockets anymore or job protection. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of need to get back on track here in this country and boost wages and boost employee welfare. And, and uh, you know, otherwise our standard of living is going to get lower and lower and lower. Well, I'm just, I just want to interject one second for all our listeners, and there's a lot of them tonight who this was written uh, yes, yesterday it came out um, to to create this awareness that the Teamsters, um, I'm reading an overdrive uh, title now, Teamsters score historic first win, FedEx drivers vote to join. What happened was that the uh, there was a 26 to 18 vote held on the 14th, uh, FedEx Freight in Croydon, Pennsylvania, and they elected to join the union. Then if you scroll down the article, and I'm sure, John, I'm sure you read this article already. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Uh, that it, uh, it states that on um, September 12th, uh, let's see, driver and dock workers at Conway's Laredo, Texas location, became the first to join by a mm-hmm. 55 to 49 vote. Uh, in California, the Teamsters also filed organized votes at the logistic and transportation companies, Los Angeles, Santa Fe, Springs, and Santa, uh, and uh, San Fernando. So, so this this is like a uh, little movement going a on. little movement going on. And y- you know, John, it's 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 kind of like the right time. We we you know we started the North American Trucking Alerts page, and if you looked at the video. And the drivers' complaints and wages was on top, and why they're leaving the industry, why they're not being retained in the industry, uh, they're not staying. They're, you know, uh, it's because the exploiting uh, in the past just isn't working anymore. And you'll have companies who have come up, and Alan, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think one or two cents a mile is really cutting it. I mean, I, I believe if if you looked at inflation, it would probably have to be about well, twenty, I, thirty cents a mile. I don't think we can consider these raises that we're hearing today. I thought I don't think we can really consider them raises. I just think that's just trying to get getting us back up where we should have been anyway. Or uh, you know, not even at one. Or yeah, two no, cents. not at one or two I, cents. I, I, but I, still, I, I still think that the wages are far behind where they should be. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they are. Today's cost of living. And, uh, oh, yeah, there's no doubt. I think that in order to bring it up to all the uh, increase in cost of living and over the 20 years that that they haven't made up for the cost of living, I, I think the no. minimum would be 65 cents a mile, just just I, quickly I would, calculating in my that. head. I would right? agree with that. I mean, because back in, I can remember back in the 90s where if you worked for a uh, – uh, a freight company that uh, they were earning around 55 cents a mile back then, uh, a unionized driver. Uh, so, and, and that was uh, really wasn't a, uh, a very high wage even back then. It was just a, 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 a reasonable income, uh, give you a reasonable standard of living. And yeah, we uh, can't so only I talk about yeah, we can't only talk about cost for uh, cents per mile. We got to talk about accessorial pays and everything that we're expected to do. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I mean... Uh, no, go ahead. No, I mean, you're. Every, everybody's open, so we're going to have to interrupt, so don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, well, since for mile is part of the equation, I agree with John on that, but one thing I wanted to mention is all the uh, accessorial pay. I mean, uh, 
I came up with a slogan here uh, about a year ago that says uh, line force should be paid for. So that means uh, if we're on duty, if we're uh, at a customer, at a dock, if we're fueling the truck, sleeping out a trailer, switching trailers, doing our pre-trip, post-trip inspections, anything that we're expected to do should be paid for in additional uh, rate on top of our mileage pay. I mean, I don't care if it's hourly pay or uh, you know, like just a flat rate for accessible pay or whatever. I mean, it's just uh, we do give away a lot of our time out here uh, in the over-the-road sector, but then uh, when we talk about the unionization in the trucking industry, a lot of that does center around the LTL sector as well as uh, a lot of your uh, automotive haulers and stuff like that out there. So, I mean, it's just something that uh, – if we in the OTR sector could take a segment, excuse me, take a lesson from the LTL sector about unions, and uh, that might be the uh, way to work. I mean, unfortunately, we have a lot of drivers that have been brainwashed into thinking unions are a bad thing, but when you look at the lifestyles of the union driver, it's a hell of a lot better than most OTR drivers that I know, and they also have well, a good retirement to look forward to as well. Well, I'm reading some of the comments on the Overdrive article that this was on, and one guy was putting it down. I think uh, FedEx will be closing their terminals, this and that, and some guy replied and said, if this vote is going to kill jobs at FedEx, please explain to me how UPS has remained a profitable company and has been around since 1907. And then, you know, he goes on. So, well, the same can be said for FedEx. Well, no, but I mean Fed, FedEx. Well, exactly. But, I mean, I thought FedEx was already union. No, no, that's no, no, part only of the, the pilots are union at FedEx. Only the pilots. Huh? Oh, okay. The pilots. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, let me drag Chuck in here. Chuck, first time on the show, so you're not going to sit idly by. I'm dragging you in here. What do you think? I. Uh, thanks. I appreciate it. I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to get Hal in here. <laughs> I, I'm kind of torn between it. I, I, I've been involved, uh, you know, I've worked as a union employee before in a, you know, different uh, uh, industry. I was a pipe fitter and, you know, I guess the unions are only as strong as the people that are in it. And what I experienced in my union and local and whatnot was how our, our dues money was uh appropriated it, it seemed to me that it you know things it, w- it was more politically driven and that's what the uh the union was basically uh more or less had an interest in was was politics and dirty politics at that uh i agree there's got to be you know we all have to stick together somehow some way to get uh to get our wages up to where they do need to be um you know especially well you know i kind of go <laughs> Yeah, I kind of go along with Jeff, though, there on that. I mean, if you can get paid for all that you do, sitting at the docks, waiting time, uh, all this kind of stuff, unloading, loading, whatever the case may be, uh, and get actually paid for that, that would increase the driver pay. Would you really need unions? And, you you know, you speak about uh, the unions spending it on uh, politics. I can give you the 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 stats on that. This is from the National Institute for Labor Relations research where it says big labor spent 1.7 billion dollars of the forced labor dues directly to politics for their own agenda gain. But Hal, I'll drag you in here. I mean, if yep. 
drivers could get paid for all the assessor, you know, the extra work that they do, the like I said, the detention time, all that kind of stuff. Uh, would would you even need a union? Actually, well, we convincing the carriers to do that would probably uh, you know dictate the need for a union because they're not they're not going to just uh, cave in and do it on their own. I mean, it's one of those things like with the union slogan, uh, "United we bar- bargain, uh, divide we beg." I mean, if we actually uh, uh, form the power, get the power of the union behind us, then that would give us a stronger uh, lever to negotiate with. Well, yeah, the union would give a lot stronger voice in the end run. But, you know, and then, and then uh, I'm kind of looking back at what you said previous. you got a lot of drivers out there today. I mean, they've been either, whether they've been conned into the belief or they've seen something different in union workings to where, Maybe it negatively affected their families when they were growing up. Those are part of the issues that you're going to have to face in trying to convince drivers to unionize or at least uh, form up together and be strong enough to stand up to companies, shippers, receivers. Okay. That was a lot of wind noise. Can't hear you. Yeah. Is that is that you, Hal, talking? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting getting a lot of noise from your phone. Is it? Rubbing around or something, or oh, it might be the wind. I'm. It's oh, okay. Crazy. There, there. That yeah. that sounds better. That sounds better. Right. Go ahead. All right. Well, what I was saying was, you know, is uh, I, I don't remember who it was that just said it, but you know, a, a, a part of the problem is going to be uh, getting drivers to not be gun shy with the idea of unionizing, because you know, over the years they've heard all these war stories, as, as we call them, about unions and, and the issues that have been faced there, uh, the politics again, um, and whether or not some of these drivers, they might have been in families where their father was union and something took place where they worked and maybe something happened where the union wasn't there. You know, uh, like, say, uh, well, I, I've seen some places trying to form up parts of a company try to form up and unionize uh, only to have the company shut down a terminal in that particular particular location. Like uh, one company I worked for, it was based out of Jacksonville and it had terminals in two, three places in Florida, plus Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Well, Louisiana, that terminal decided they went ahead and voted uh, in favor of unionizing. Well, you know, they went home for the night, and the next morning they came in, and the place was empty. There used to be laws against that, I believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there used Lockouts. to be laws. But, I mean, you know, if the drivers can be brought out of that negative attitude uh, of unions and show where they can work and where the, the dues that they got to pay don't go toward politicking or any of that garbage and have a free reign and and a stronger reign on on what's going on, then they might have a better chance. They might stand a little stronger toward the idea of unionizing. Uh, Personally, I think that if drivers will take the time to stand together and have the heart to be in it and see definite changes, then yeah, they could unionize, and they could make a difference in getting something happening. 
Well, you know, just the just the talk of having a union could yeah. get these people who are uh first of all they're crying that there's a shortage. What are we going to do? We're going to have 200,000 uh, a shortage of 200,000 this and that. And how how so for everybody who's listening um, Hal is one of the uh, founders of our website, along with Alan and I and John Burnett, and uh, we put this together, and it's actually to create awareness and accountability. So this idea of unions right now is a perfect timing uh, as we get ready to uh, to fully release the North American Trucking Alerts website because it's a website of accountability. And if anybody goes to NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com and they look at that video, this is exactly what it's talking about, the driver uh, problems with the wages and uh, why they're leaving, why they're they're not staying. And it calls for accountability uh, of all these people within the industry that have to be responsible for these problems surrounding the drivers. I mean, uh, NADA is a website about the professional driver and 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 supporting them, and it's it's really an extension of um, Ask the Trucker and Truth About Trucking and the Truck Driver Social Media Convention, uh, all about the driver. And I'm going to give you an example of accountability that that we're talking about. Since we're talking about the carriers now and pay. So on this website, if people want to uh, take a pledge, you know, a carrier, and they realize the seriousness of of everything right now with talk about Teamsters and Conway and FedEx, um, if they they would need to step up and say, okay, we're going to pay detention time now. And then, you know, we would all recognize that and display it, or they're going to pay a more livable wage, just like we were talking about before, uh, let's say 60, 65 cents a mile, or uh, respecting the driver when they're fatigued, even if there's hours left on the clock, or ensuring that the that all rights are recognized, and then share it. And there's going to be examples of, of each. I don't want to go through all the different uh, areas who have to be accountable. Like I'll just say the names, the CDL training schools, groups and organizations, drivers and the advocates. And, yes, drivers need to be account- accountable for their behavior and the way they do things also. Uh, brokers, shippers, and, you know, all the examples are going to be up there when the, when it's finally released. But what I'm saying is, there's two ways this can be done, okay? And uh, either they are unionized or that everybody in the industry recognizes the problem instead of moaning, groaning, crying, complaining, and then does something about it. And that's what this website's all about. Yeah, we need a little little less talk and a lot more action. It's like that Country West song says, right? That's right. Exactly, Jeff. I, I mean, because, and this is a perfect time for this to come up because it's yes, saying, it look, look, this is this is serious I, now. I, okay? I, I, I mean. I got to let loose. Uh, go ahead. Let loose, John. I got, I'm busting at the seams. Go ahead, go ahead John. We don't want you to bust I, I, over I, there. I, I uh, <laughs> agree 100% that this is the time. If you look what's been happening with the fast food workers, taken to the streets, begging for higher wages, better benefits, and everything else. I, I think you're seeing people out there that there's movement going on in this country where people want to 
increased their standard of living, and they're not seeing government do anything about it. So here you have an opportunity in this industry to side with the union that will give drivers strength. And when you have strength, you have political clout. That's number one, is that the more people that are involved in the union, the better voice you're going to have in government. Number two, you can't take politics out of it. If you don't think that these major corporations are spending their time lobbying Congress, they're spending billions lobbying Congress to get laws passed that keep our wages low. So we need somebody out there, yeah, that we're going to be able to lobby Congress too to try to get the wages up and somewhere have a middle ground where we can meet and all get along in this industry because, you know, politics has to be involved in it. You can't remove the politics from it, and a certain amount of union dues are going to have to be spent, uh, you know, uh, lobbying Congress and, and working John, with our political point. leaders. Excellent point, John. Excellent point. They're going to, the idea that some of the money is used for lobbying, you know, and I think uh, – the unions actually would fight on our behalf. And this is probably the time. I mean, shippers going to have to start coughing a bit more money to get their freight moved. They've been dictating the rates for too long. Now the carriers can actually start asking for more money and then pay uh, us decent wages and benefits and stuff. So, I mean, this is uh, a time we're in the driver's seat to make something happen here. Well, you know, uh, I know uh, sometimes we need to play driver uh, driver's advocate, devil's advocate. <laughs> Yeah. And um, I don't know. I know, um, Alan, you were talking to me before about um, the negative side of unions. Um, well, I think the country's 50-50 split on on unions. I think a lot of people see the union. I mean, I, I'm not – I think John knows I'm, I'm not a big union guy. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from – uh, just the stigma that comes with uh, with just the name union. I mean, and we have a, uh, I don't know if anybody knows of this, we have a bill that was introduced in May of 2013. It's H.R. 2021. It's called the Freedom from Union Violence Act of 2013. And um, the purpose of this act uh Bill, if it became a law, would impose a fine of up to ten thousand of a hundred thousand dollars, twenty years imprisonment or both, on on unions that commit or threaten to use violence, extortion, or the obstruction of commerce and the furtherance of labor union goals and objectives. I did a Google search just before the show. I just Googled search union violence, and immediately found. Uh, recent reports on workers being harassed by union members on October 3rd, the 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th, in six different states, almost every day. And I think this is a stigma, John, that, you know, so many people just, you know, when you say the word union, they just kind of tense up because, of, you know, because of things like this. What up the, uh, you know, you got to look at it, too. I mean, uh, I also read something today or saw something today where the government unions have been increasing membership. Well, the private sector unions have been losing membership. I mean, the, you you have the government out there, the government unions are basically doing the same thing. They're putting a stranglehold on people saying, hey, look, you know, uh, if we don't get a pay raise, you know, maybe maybe your uh, police coverage and fire coverage isn't going to be quite as good. I mean, and uh, I mean, I know that where I grew up, I mean, I grew up near where Donna grew up in, in uh, New Rochelle, 
New York, uh-huh. and I could tell you that the unions down there—I mean, just about—they got a stranglehold on the on the on the people like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they're getting pay raises like you wouldn't believe. I mean, uh, you got cops and firemen retiring with pensions in the in the in the six digits. You know, one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, so. Uh, you know, there's, there's good and bad and and everything. There is, I mean, there is, and, and, and it's it's hard to weed it all out. And and certainly when these things happen, you got to deal with them. But I, well, I mean, here there's two the sides hell? to the story. That you have you have the companies now who, who the the carriers who haven't raised wages in so long. So that's not violence, but it's still. Exploiting whatever you want to call it. Intimidation to some to some extent. I mean, sure, uh, the Jack report, retaliation. I mean, you could you could you could use that as an example. I mean, there there were things in Walmart where Walmart workers wanted to join the union, and and there were stories about how Walmart would uh, they would watch you to make sure the two employees didn't get together and mention the word union. I mean, they had cameras on everybody. <laughs> I mean, they they, they uh, watched their employees more than they watched the uh, shoppers, uh, you know, for for theft. I mean, so you have employees, too, that are so anti-union and want to keep the union out so bad that they'll use whatever means possible, too. So, you know, it's a two-way street. It's not just on behalf mm-hmm. of what the unions do. And I don't agree with everything that they do, and certainly no. you're going to have problems down the road somewhere, but... I mean, you got to stop and realize that, you know, this is the only game in town. I mean, there isn't a, a union is nothing more than a, a group of people that form together to, to, you know, try to secure better working conditions. So it's yeah. Not I mean, a, I, I, oh, go ahead. You know, I mean, you know, well, I, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it's it's a legitimate cause. I mean, it's you know, and uh, you know what the whole problem is, really, on both sides, it's greed. It's greed on both sides. Oh. And what happens? Huh? I, so I, absolutely, I agree with you. Yes. I, 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 agree, I agree, too, that it, it gets to that. That it, 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 Like what happened with the uh, civil service unions in New York, it gets to the point where you get so used to being able to take that you never want to give up. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, there's got to be a level on off with economic conditions in the country, you know, it can't, it, it can't, you can't always get raises every year and, and keep getting higher and higher wages and benefits and everything else. If there's things happening in the uh, in the economy that don't support that, so yeah, there needs to be cutoff points and everything else. And I guess uh, the leaders in these unions have to, uh, you know, be aware of that. But. Um, uh, you know, you're right, but it does get down to the point where it can get greedy, and members get too greedy, and they don't know when to quit. And uh, well, but another part of the union thing, I don't mean to, you know, it, it, it steps back a little bit. Another part of the union stigma that I have seen is that a lot of people that have gone to work with certain places, in order to get a job there, they start their 90-day probation, but Somewhere during that time, they're told, if you don't join the union, you don't get to stay. You don't have a job. You have to have a membership, period. If if driver union, you know, if, if such a thing as a driver union across the country takes place, then what needs to be a part of that union 
process is to say, if you want to be union, you're there, period. If you got a job at this place, say, let's just take FedEx for the example. All right, this, this particular FedEx terminal is uh, unionized. But if you want to come here to work and you want a job, you get a job. You don't have to be union. That's a lot of stigma that a lot of people are. You know, that's an, an, another part where a lot of people are, are kind of hesitant about joining a union because if they go to a place, they're saying either you've got to be union or you can't have a job here. And that's uh, wrong. I mean, yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's that's part of the stigma that I was talking about. You know, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because, I mean, according to the National Institute for Labor Relations Research, I mean, do you know that they actually have um, – <clears throat> an electronically and recorded uh, instrument, and it's called the Institute's Violent Event Data File. And uh, since, uh, let's see, since 1975, uh, union violence is responsible for at least 203 American deaths, over 5,800 incidents of personal injury, over 6,400 incidents of vandalism, and tens of millions of dollars in property damage. So my point there is, I think this is this is largely like what a lot of people think about when they hear the hear the word well, union. I, I, but, I, I could tell you that it was like that too. Back in the, I remember back in the late seventies, early eighties, my my cousin had some oil trucks, and he was non-union, and the union wanted him to join up. And that's exactly the kinds of things they did. They would follow around the trucks, slash ties, intimidate drivers, and, and we had to have two people on the truck in order to, uh, you know, so somebody could look out for the truck and the driver while oil was being right. delivered. So they did and have it's this, wrong. that kind of violence. That kind of violence existed. I don't know that it's as, as uh, prevalent today as it was back in the in the late 70s, early 80s and whatnot. It, you know, well, let me I, tell I, you I my story. Uh, my, my father had a, a, a butcher shop. And he worked on a very low, he worked on volume. So, you know, he didn't make a lot of money, but he, uh, it, was, it was a good business. And he could not afford union workers. He just couldn't afford them with all the benefits. It was the benefits more than the hourly yeah. wage. And uh, so he, uh, he hired non-union. And the union, in, in, we were up in New York, uh, I guess it was the meat cutters union was always on them. Well, thank goodness, uh, my my uncle and my cousin were the head of the meat cutters union, so they kind of, you know, I mean, they they kind of kept them at bay, uh, you know, the people who who would yeah. mention it and say, oh, oh, okay, okay, that type of thing. But my father was not a union guy because he was small business and he could not mm-hmm. afford them. So there's there's uh, you know, the idea of union, meaning unity, get together, have have a voice, lobbying, this and that, it's wonderful. But getting back to it, when it gets to the point where greed takes over, and that's on either mm-hmm. side, or harassment, which takes over on either side. Drivers are harassed by companies, right? Not where they're deaf, but, but their livelihoods. When you, when you destroy a driver on their DAC but report... But what did they try to do to Abe? That's what I'm saying. It, it's on both sides, and and it's humanity, and that's what we're really discussing right now. But you know, so if they, if, if they the was union, he'd still have that job. Oh yeah. Well, no, he I didn't. He quit. He quit. Abe quit. 
I, I, th- I thought they told him he was too high profile, and and they had to. Get no, uh, uh-uh, not not uh, the the people that he did the video with. No, oh, well, I think they funny. just made it miserable for him. Uh, yeah. And and you know he was on the show after that, and but he's found a, a great company. He's really happy now. I think it was the company after that that said he was too high profile because yeah. of the 2020 uh, program he was on. Yeah. Well, okay. Listen, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the union will ever. I mean, look how long the Teamsters been around. You know what? What they got started in uh, what 1901, and. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, you were under a, a union, so you didn't sound like you were too much for him. I mean, look at look at look at Michigan. I mean, don't you, Chuck? Don't you think uh, the union had a lot to do with the uh, the auto industry just kind of going bust in Michigan? Or uh, correct me if I'm wrong. What do you think? I think it's corporate greed that did that. Oh, yeah, yeah, corporate greed. I would have to I think agree with that. I think. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut off. Uh, no, that's okay. I would Go ahead. To a degree, because I mean, the union—the way I've seen it over the years—the unions come in, we want more, more, more. All right, more pay, more benefits, you know, just more of everything, more or less. And the companies are pressured: either you pay more, or and you give more. Or we lock up and you can't create any cars. You can't put anything out. There goes your productivity. There goes your production. There goes your income. You know, there goes all the earnings that you're fighting to make. So the the companies are more or less forced to capitulate. And in order to make up for it, they have to raise the prices on the vehicles. Right. So easier way out for them is to just say, that's it. We can't take it anymore. So they... You know, you got you got uh, NAFTA, so a lot of them went south. They went into Mexico or wherever else to where they can get things, a lot of things produced a lot cheaper, and all they need people for is just put them on the assembly line so they can go ahead and assemble the parts that are brought back. Up. I want to – who who was the one that said corporate greed? I'd like to hear the explanation on that. I don't know who said it. Oh, that was Jeff, but he just dropped off, but he might uh... – his his phone just dropped, but I'll watch here. He just came back on. Okay, Jeff. Uh, Jeff. Okay, Jeff. You yeah. said uh, you said something about you think uh, Michigan and the auto industry bus was a uh, corporate greed. I think it was. I mean, when you think about it now, if you look at uh, an auto manufacturer like Ford, Chrysler, GM, uh, did did anybody ever see the price of vehicles go down whenever they did the majority of their production in Mexico? We're paying no, actually more no. for cars. We're paying more for cars than we did back before unions are prevalent. You know, I mean, I know some of the cost increase would have to do with inflation and increased cost of materials, but you know, with the uh, cheap labor from Mexico, you think it would have offset that cost where, uh, you know, the cars would be a lot more affordable. I mean, I remember back in 1995, I bought a brand new Chevy Silverado for twenty thousand out the door. That same pickup now, oh, 20 years later. Almost would uh, probably cost me nearly double that, if not more, with the same basic package, same engine and drivetrain and all that kind of stuff. I mean, uh, I think a lot of it had to do with corporate greed, especially when you look at uh, some of the CEO uh, salaries of these automakers. I mean, uh, hell, they probably made more in an hour than a lot of those people make an entire year, it seems like. Absolutely, especially with, uh, 
you know, the cheap labor and the and the cheap steel that are going into these vehicles. Look at the steel that's uh, that's flooding our marketplace these days. It's coming from India, China. Uh, I was at the truck stop the other day. I, I you know, there must have been four flatbeds in there uh, that had different schedules of pipe schedule uh, 40, 10 inch pipe uh, with pack made in Pakistan, uh, you know, and uh, who knows where else India, what other foreign countries, but I I think a lot of it's corporate greed as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, now it is. I mean, I know a lot of people blame the, the unions for um, Detroit going, going under and everything. And wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now what happened in Detroit? Unions' wages, they didn't like the union wages. But once the oil makers left Detroit, look at Detroit now. It's a ghost town. It's down to 700,000 people. One, 1.3 million people left Detroit. Right, and what, and what are you saying? It's not the unions that did that? Well, the unions didn't do it. The unions secured the people who lived there a future and a good job. Now, the unions did push a little bit too much because competition in the auto industry increased, and GM couldn't keep up with the competition. They couldn't build. They weren't building cars well enough to keep up with the uh, with the new competition from the foreign automakers. And also, right. they didn't have the cheap labor. But I don't think that the workers alone uh, are what caused the problem. I think the workers needed these kind of salaries to raise their family, to buy a home, and to put their kids to a school, and to put food on the table. I don't think they were taking these salaries to go out and buy boats and and have multiple houses and and other things. I mean, they just wanted a normal standard of living. I mean, my father, uh, you know, worked for the state of New York, and he, he didn't make a fortune. But back when he worked there, he was able to put his kids to a school, to own a home, to have a car, I mean, just just the basic things that that you know comprise the American dream. That what we used to think of as the American dream. Now you can't do that. You got to have two people in your household working. You're lucky if you could put food on the table and send your kids to school. I mean, you work double the hours. I mean, so things things are changing and not for the better. I mean, the wages have definitely not kept up. And the well, fact that people in Detroit are not were not making the wages is why they left. There were no well, jobs there that paid them a, a wage that could keep up with the cost of living in Detroit. You know, well, um, one thing one thing to take consideration is like in trucking, for example, uh, most of the uh, most experienced drivers that have at least a couple of years' experience, if not more, are making anywhere between. Uh, you know, we're talking non-union drivers. Their salaries made between forty and sixty sixty thousand a year. And you know what? In most parts of the country, that's barely getting by. Even if you have no personal debt, a lot of people barely get by on that. They can make a mortgage payment. They can maybe go buy a used car as cash, but they can't really afford to uh, put money away for retirement well, uh, and put uh, money away towards uh, your kids' college tuition. I can tell you $40,000 in the Northeast isn't going to get you very far. No, no not, not in the Northeast. I mean, it, yeah. it, I mean, I could tell you from experience, <laughs> but it's just, it just that the, you know, uh, all I could say is that uh, a lot of this is corporate greed, and because these businesses capitalize on cheap labor, and when they took advantage of the cheap labor in other countries, and they're bringing cheap labor here to work from India, from Mexico, from wherever, from China, which they're doing in droves, 
that maybe people don't see. But they're taking jobs away, and they're giving them to people from foreign countries for a hell of a lot cheaper than what Americans are doing them for. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, that money is going in the pockets of the corporations, and they're taking that money, and they're putting it in bank accounts in other countries so they don't get taxed on it. <laughs> you know, look well, at the tax I, I, loopholes. Again, I'll I mean, say, I think it's greed on both parts, on both sides. I think that what starts out, and, and you can apply this for a lot of different things, what starts out mm-hmm. is a good thing, then right. ends up being uh, – I mean, you just take, take for example, with FDR. Um, he was a great president, and he came up with the um, – and, and trust me, I'm a I'm a conservative, okay. But I look mm-hmm. at FDR was a great president, and um, and he came up with helping people. They were you know down on their luck, and they they right. needed help. They needed assistance. Well, what happens over over time? The system's abused, and yep. what it's either greed or laziness or whatever. But whenever you have a good thing, you know the human element steps in on either side of this. And and it will take over. So, well, you, you, how do you control that? I don't know how you control it. That's why we we have the, the website. I don't know either. I mean, we got it's like traffic laws. We got traffic laws, and and maybe ten percent of the population obeys them. I mean, it's it, it's just uh, you know human nature. I mean, people just it is. Take advantage so that's what you're dealing with. That's what you're I dealing mean, with. Uh, and. Uh, we, you know, we don't have uh, uh, a lot of people don't have the integrity to to, uh, to uh, obey the law, and they look for loopholes and ways around everything. And, and like I said, it's been no different on either side, either the, the side of the unions or the side of the corporations. The corporations look for plenty of loopholes too. And uh, but the unions are the people, and the people, the members, the ones who make decisions. Just like in America, it's supposed to be the people supposed to be a republic, and the people are supposed to be the ones making the decisions and, and having those decisions carried out by uh, our politicians. And instead now we have the corporations making the decisions. Because they have more money. The they lobby. Yeah, right. they're the ones controlling the government. So basically if the people would just realize that it's us that are in control, the individuals, and not the, the head of the union, he does what we say. It's not right. the president. He has to do what we say, that what we want. But we got to get back on track in this country and realize whose country it really is, and and whose unions these really are. I mean, and, and who these people are supposed but to that, be. But that's out why, for. John. That's that's why, and and I I know I've said it, and yeah, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but that's why we were so excited uh, with the website and how you know. Join in and with me on this one, and Alan. Um, yeah, we can we can have a we can have a union show for fifteen hours. Let's. Uh, well, no. What I mean is the the website. It, that's what I meant. Why this is perfect timing. Yeah. Because it was the North American Trucking Alerts website is bringing the accountability and those people who want to step up voluntarily, right, and say, you know what, yes. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. An example I gave was the carriers. Um, They can step up and say what they're going to do to address this situation. Will they? I don't know. We'll find out. 
Yeah. Drivers have to step up. Shippers. We've already got one company, and when we when we uh, release it fully, the website that believes shippers should allow parking. Now th- there's going to be you know stipulations because a lot of the drivers abuse that privilege, and and you know they've ruined it for themselves. However, you know those who step up are are going to shine in their in their community and that's that's the goal of the site if people are accountable and give for us, all these problems and give well, the site again Donna uh, drivers need to raise their own standards when it comes to professionalism and whatnot too I mean that's I know I've been thinking that drum for a long time but I mean if we uh learn how to uh you know take pride in ourselves and look and act more professional then uh, we're gonna actually gain a lot of uh, respect from upper management and the general public, I mean, because the general public is a uh, much bigger voting block than we are, but if we gain their respect, they're going to more than likely want to vote in our favor, especially once we have a chance to form a connection with them to where they have a chance to uh, get to interact with us, to get to understand what our jobs are about. They'll more than likely be voting for uh, people that uh, would be willing to support us and whatever we need to do as far as getting anything changed in our favor. I mean, there's... Uh, ways to do that, but we have to earn that respect to the general public. We can't just uh, demand her to go on strike or any other kind of nonsense. We have to earn right. it. Just like, uh, just like any kind of a military medal. It's, it's something that's not it's earned. It's not given. Well, here's my prediction. With this all coming out, with the Teamsters and FedEx and Conway, that if if the companies themselves don't step up, and do something. I do see something like this, uh, you know, moving forward. I mean, I just, I just do. So that's what I mean when I say it's perfect timing. You can either do it voluntarily or not. And what's the name of the site? Oh, okay. That, Alan wants me to say the name of the site. It's North American Trucking Alerts. Right now, it's just the video, the homepage, and the contact. But we'll, we'll be, we, it should be released by November 1st. We're working hard uh, to have the content. And by the way, I'm going to call whoever wants to be a contributor on that site for writing. And here, here's a pen. And, I'm uh, going to do that. Okay. Then you just give us an email. Uh, yeah, either that. Hal, you can call, contact Hal on uh, Facebook or Alan on Facebook or send us uh, info at truthabouttrucking.com or uh, North American Trucking Alerts at gmail.com. Um, there's all kinds of ways to get a hold of us, but we're looking for contributors for this uh, for this website, and it's all about accountability. And you know, we we already know the issues. Okay, now what are we going to do to be accountable, what we need to do to be accountable? So, Hal, do you want to add anything to that tonight? Um, Anything you want to – did I hit all the topics, Hal, or did I miss something? You hit them all. You hit them all. (laughs) (laughs) Huh? No, it's it's just a matter – it's more just a matter of, you know – Everybody being a part. I mean, getting people together, getting them to recognize what truckers are facing today, the issues that need to be addressed, bringing not just the drivers, but trucking companies, shippers, receivers, everybody in this country to an understanding, bring them together to understand exactly what's going on out there 
And, you know, maybe it's going to take public assistance. You know, the public's involvement in helping get these issues addressed and get the changes need, made that need to be made in this country for the trucker, for the family, and for everybody else in this country. Because I know people have heard the same thing over and over and over again over the years. If things don't change and if they get bad enough and drivers finally get together that say we've had enough, the changes aren't coming, you're not doing anything to help us, you're not doing anything to make these changes. If the drivers really get together and have that kind of attitude and fully, I don't care. It doesn't matter if you're union or not. Union, company, owner-operators, independents, if they all end up putting on the brakes, this country will come to a stop in a day, two days, tops. Two days, tops. This country comes to a stop. Because, Absolutely. You know, it's, there's there's no, where are you going to get things when, you know, I mean, look what it affects. Well, see, this is the thing. I mean, for years, uh, I think the carriers and a lot of people, the freight, the freight brokers, the shippers, everybody got away with a lot of things with drivers. And you know what? It's coming to a halt now because drivers, they're not striking. They're just leaving. They're leaving uh, or they're not. They're coming into the industry. They're not staying. Uh, And with the poor CDL training that's going on, they're they're staying either because they're leaving either because they they don't want to stay they don't like the lifestyle they don't like the pay which is peanuts um or they're getting in accidents because of the poor CDL training and they have to be let go or terminated because it's affecting the CSA scores so you know one way or the other there's a lot of changes that need to take place and uh look at the look at the teamsters sued the FMCSA with the truck driver safety advocates for better CDL training. So they they see the writing on the wall with all this. So, you know, it's not a total totally bad thing about unions. Um, I think it can cause competition as far as uh, the mindset of the carriers, like, well, we better do something or, or, or it might end up like that. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, you hate to see it turn into greed, too, like, like it has in the past. So uh, well, well, it's six to one, half dozen to the other. If you get huh? some company, if you get some companies going union and and things get better at these companies, you're going to see other companies start losing people and going trying to get into the better companies. So sooner or later, whether you go union or not, I think everyone is going to have to. The wages are going to have to go up across the board. Exactly. That's uh, well, yeah. You know. Well, so that, I've got a question. Have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Was this business was this business more professional? I'm just curious. Does anybody see this business as more professional back in the in the seventies and the in the early eighties, uh, or or do they feel that it's more professional now? Looking I think it was back, more professional when, back then because back in that time you had more drivers wearing uh uniforms, even over the road carriers yeah. a lot of them wearing uniforms. I mean I like I mentioned earlier, I'm an over-the-road guy myself, but I do voluntarily wear a uniform, and uh, Alan and Donna have seen photos of me in uniform, too. I mean, I, I'm i I'm all about uh, maintaining a professional appearance and also acting the role of a professional, too, whenever I go to a customer. You know, you know why it was, you know why it was so, it was more professional back then? Because drivers were, drivers were actually proud of, 
to be a driver. Exactly. I mean, there, I mean, there was pride to it, and the carriers it, it, it treated was, you. Go ahead. It was a profession, and you got a future out of it. Guys were right. their profession. They stayed there for 20, 30 years. They retired, and they had uh-huh. enough to live in their retirement. When they couldn't yep. work anymore, they had enough money to go on living. And it's a big difference now. And I agree. I, what, it, what I admired the most and why I got into this business was because I admired the uniforms. I admired that the fact that you had all these companies out there that own their own trucks, these private carriers, uh, Sherwin-Williams, uh, uh, Pittsburgh Paints. I mean, even Schneider, when they were unionized and everything else, it was so much more professional. And the drivers had to have a lot more skill. They were trained better. They they presented a better image. Uh, They were more courteous on the roads. At least this is the way I saw it. And I was yeah, exactly. And I just but they paid them well back then too. Okay, when what what it was worth. Exactly. What do you think? What do you think they they're they're willing to to take now at twenty two cents a mile or to whatever it is for for trainees? I mean, the amount of time away from home is just horrible. I mean, uh, right. So there's a problem. Are keeping you out there forever. Yeah. Right. To add to add to what you were saying about that, the way drivers were back then, and how they were, you know, how they were they were proud to work for their companies. They wore the uniforms, and they were all they were. Well, I, I already said that part. They were proud of their companies. They were proud to work for their company because the companies represented them a lot better, and they took care of them because they had drivers, good qualified drivers that knew what they were doing, that respected the work that they did, and they earned the respect of their companies and their customers in the same process. Today, you had people with mannerisms and ethics back then, unlike today. Yeah. Yeah. Today, oh yeah. Going out. So a lot of it, you know, part of it's you, you can well, part of it's corporate greed, part of it's just. I mean, as far as the drivers go, part of it is just the drivers saying, "I've got a job, that's it." You know, yeah. I'm making a check, and that's all. That's okay. it. They've given up on everything else. A lot of them have, you know, not all of them, but a lot of them. But the older senior drivers that are watching what's going on on the roads today, you know, they've got no point to had enough with the quality of drivers that are out there today. It's they, They've dropped off and just said, I'm getting out of this before one of them idiots kills me. Yeah, well, let me ask you all this. I mean, we're we're getting short of time here, but I do want to touch on a little quick on driver training standards. And i got I got four experienced drivers here, so... Uh, going to let each of you touch on it just real quick. I mean, why do you think it's so difficult for the FMCSA to establish standards for entry-level drivers? It's been going on for like almost 30 years. I mean, it uh, it goes back to the Intermodal Surface Transportation Assistance Act of 1991 when Congress first required DOT to produce the you know the training mandates, and and now we're still not. And we see up in Canada. The Canadian Trucking Alliance, which is like the equivalent of the ATA here, they admit that the primary causes for, you know, the shortage and all this problem is the industry itself. And, you know, I can't remember when it was, but I wrote an article a long time ago where I I ended the article by saying that the industry itself has created the problems and they're the only ones who can solve it. And up in Canada, they've they've actually 
came out and kind of said the same thing a few weeks or so ago. But let me start with you, Chuck. I want to get each one of your opinions on this. I mean, why do you why do you think it's so difficult for the FMCSA to come up with just a, a, a entry level? you know, a, a training standard for entry-level drivers, because if that was the case, and Canada is mentioned in this too, that would raise the skill, which would also raise, uh, should raise wages. But what do you think, Chuck? I want a chance to. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm really qualified to even, uh, because I can guarantee uh, you folks have more experience than I do. I, I'm, I'm still fairly new. But when okay. I was going through what, uh, when I was going well, that's CDL even better. School, but we'll, we'll get it from a, a newer driver, so that's even good. So go ahead. I, I really don't know. I, I, I can't really comment fully on it, but I can tell you what I was told when I went to CDL school here in Ohio. This school had told me I, I, was, kind of, uh, I was kind of disappointed in the quality of the school. I'm not going to mention which school it was. It's not a franchise right. or anything. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they told me that they're – their only and primary concern is just to make sure you have just enough knowledge to get your CDL license, and that's it. Right. You know, they were totally unprofessional. A problem. I thought, in my opinion, uh, mm-hmm. e- even driving around, going on our road test and whatnot throughout the school, you know, the instructor, he's too busy pointing out, uh, you know, women and their short tops and stuff at the time, and it, it was oh, just dear. totally uh, unprofessional, but... Mm-hmm. And this is what the government grants and subsidies are going to. Okay, go ahead. Exactly. But uh, mm-hmm. that's really all I have to offer. You know, I, I'm learning. Okay, let me ask too, you real so. quick. Let, let me ask you real sure. quick, and I, I want to try to get to everybody. I'm running out of time here. But when you came out of that CDL school, did you feel like you uh, had added, added, adequate enough training? Uh, I mean, did you feel safe? No. Okay. No, I did. I didn't. I thought the All right. trip was poorly presented. Uh, <clears throat> I'll be honest here. I, I went. I failed my first three road tests before I even got on the road because uh, the way we were taught the pre-trip didn't uh, meet yeah. the tester's criteria. I went through three different instructors at the same school, got three <clears throat> different ways of learning the pre-trip, none of which uh, satisf- satisfied the state uh, inspector. You know, so no, I I didn't okay. feel safe at the time. I do now, though. Oh yeah, I'm sure. So okay, so you get three different ways to do a to do a pre-trip. So I mean, <clears throat> that's why there should be training standards. John, John, what do you think on this entry-level driver training standards? Why why is it taking so long? Why is it so difficult? Uh, unless I don't know. Unless there's somebody pulling the strings of the uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, because yep. Uh, well, I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for my turn. I know. <laughs> if you increase the standards, uh, then you sh- you reduce the pool of drivers, <laughs> and you're already in a shortage. So, yeah, but if you increase the standards, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm out of line. But if you increase, no, that's okay. You might reduce the pool. But, I mean, you reduce the pool of drivers, but you'll increase the pool of qualifiable drivers. And then they get more pay. Yeah. That doesn't sit well with a lot of people. <laughs> that Exactly. That's the point, I think, and that's yeah, it's that, all about that, money. That, that, what uh, do you think, Alan? Well, that's the whole reason I'm, I'm trying to uh, – 
uh, I brought this up because I'm trying to hit the pin here. But, Jeff, go ahead. What do you think? I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, fact that the carriers are dues-paid members of the American Trucking Association. And the American Trucking Association in general is kind of contributing to a dumbing down of the trucking industry. What they're trying to do is focus more on the quantity of drivers that they can put in uh, carriers' uh, carriers' trucks instead of uh, thinking about the quality of it. I mean, I think the dumbing down has actually hurt the industry more than anything. It's all it's all a matter of safety versus cost, and cost <clears throat> the concern for cost will always win. But I'm kind of setting you up here, Donna. Okay. Take well, off. We've got <laughs> a little bit a little bit longer here to go. Okay. Well, when when the when the FMCSA in 2007 had that uh, regulation uh, proposed rule, it was everybody was up in arms. Because of the cost, it would be accreditation. Uh, they bringing in instructors for classroom. And I mean, it, it was just. And, and finally, the FMCSA gave up on it. Uh, but it is all about money. And I think one of the statements made that just m- makes me cringe is the fact that they said there's research trailing back from the 1980s has failed to show any strong correlation between training and reduction of crashes. That is ludicrous. And the only reason they can say that is because there is no record of it. There is no data. (laughs) There is no data. For five years, we over here have looked, searched. I asked Richard Wilson, hey, have you ever seen any? Nope, I haven't seen any. So sure, they can say, well, there isn't a correlation. Better training isn't going to improve. Well, how do you know? Well, the the, the research doesn't show it. What research? Well, there isn't any. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so now they put in this, they want to get, uh, they, they really are giving up because I think it's so frustrating. All these people are lobbying, all these uh uh, you know, I mean, no matter what they do, they can't do anything they right, can't do so anything. they've given up. So now they've got this regneg of, of uh, re- regulation negotiations where they said, okay, then you guys all decide, uh, and we'll bring in people from all different areas of the industry, and I hope there's a ton of owner-operators and, 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 for once, safety advocates, because the safety advocates are pushing hard for the CDL training. And they are... I don't think drivers realize it because they feel a lot of the regulations are, uh, they blame it on the safety advocates. But the truth is they have pushed for higher wages. They, If you read the things they say, they state that drivers only get paid by the mile and that, and they're put under all this pressure. They know what's going on, okay? Uh, so if if we if we could we could we could really hold hands with them because they're asking for a lot of the same things we are. Of course, they're pushing EOBRs and speed limiters, which you know that's one of the things that drivers don't like about the advocates. But I think you know if you, if you look at the whole picture, they're fighting for a lot of the same things the drivers are. So it's all about. I guess the bottom line is it's all about money. And the the training schools are, you know, petrified that they'd really have to give something worthy of their $6,000 in three weeks. Right. Okay? All right? Uh, They'd really have – and that would decrease their profits if they had to have classes and, and you know, people who really understood the rules. They'd have to add more to the curriculum. 
it would be a real course. Second thing is, I think there's a fear of skilled labor, okay? And then what's going to happen then? There's going to be um, there's going to be wage increase. Well, the fact is that the the wage is something has to be done already. And this two three one two three cents ten percent and all this ridiculous nonsense to show that you're you're making a um, hey look at us we're going to give three cents a mile. Oh really? Wow. What yeah. is that? About what fifty dollars a week? Um, <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't do anything. So I mean, I I, I think it the uh, the reason there has not ne- there has not been training standards established for entry level drivers in the last twenty thirty years is because it all has to boil down to the cost that would be involved, and um, when you have safety versus cost. Cost is winning every time, but uh, well, listen, man, I, it's, it's been a good show. I got to wind it down here, but uh, Chuck, John, Hal, Jeff, everybody else listening on the line, boy, it's a good show. Really appreciate it. And Chuck, I hope you join us again too, as well as everybody. Oh, absolutely! I had a great time. It was my first time listening and calling in, and uh, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, appreciated everybody's input there. I, I learned a lot, so I'll be back. Okay. Good, good. Glad to have you. And John, Hal, Jeff, thanks again. And, really appreciate it. It's been a, a and, re- really good show. And Jeff, I'm holding right. you to the contributor. I've got you written okay, down. Well, I'll, give you, I'll give you a call about that sometime tomorrow. We'll talk about it tomorrow, okay? All righty. <laughs> hey, John, always good to hear. Everybody, everybody have a good night. Oh. Be careful out there. All right, you too. John, appreciate it as always. Good to hear from Alan, you. And thank you. I appreciate it, too. All right. Hey, Hal, stay uh, stay more in touch, and uh, we'll uh, next time maybe we can uh, talk a little bit more about what's going on with you and uh, add a little bit more about this uh, new website and everything you guys and everybody's got going. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Appreciate it. And, Donna, you have some uh, uh, announcements? Um, yes, I'm looking for them now because my printer doesn't work, so I, I'm, okay. I'm searching uh, we'll, like a computer. We'll take a quick break, okay. and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. It's a good show. You're listening okay. to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Truckers, are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. 
TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website TruckerLawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash trucker lawyers and follow them on Twitter as at trucker lawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers.com, be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna. Well, man, it's seven seven fifteen p.m. Eastern time. It's already dark outside. I don't I like know. that at all. But I don't either. Well, you've got about uh, oh six or seven minutes. What's oh, going on? Oh boy, I better talk fast. Well, we just heard uh, oh. the advertisement from TruckerLawyers.com, and that's one of the announcements I want to make tonight. Um, TruckerLawyers.com is uh, they represent um, continually. They continually talk about workers' compensation. That's their that's their main focus. Uh, they also have employment, personal injuries, social security, disability, and consumer safety uh, alerts. So uh, they've been a sponsor with us for a long time, and as everybody knows uh, within the trucking community, that we are very selective with our sponsors. So we're really proud to have these guys on board. They're wonderful people. Uh, we've met them all. Uh, let's see. They have the announcement is they now have a truckerlawyers.com forward slash mobile uh, website for everybody with a smartphone. Uh, the the site will make it easier for drivers who use cell phones and tablets to contact the firm for help with workers' comp, personal injury, and employment law issues. Um, the firm's attorneys have over 70 years of collective experience in workers' compensation and personal injury law. Um, more, for more details about the firm, uh, it, it, with your truck drivers, go to truckerlawyers.com to read about the informational topics, such as finding qualified lawyers to handle your case. And uh, again, the firm's blog continues to include news on workers' compensation, employment, personal injury, Social Security, and consumer safety. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, just Google Trucker Lawyers uh, on Facebook or Twitter, whatever you're looking for. But uh, we're really excited uh, that, that they can share that now with drivers uh, on a mobile app. So that's truckerlawyers.com forward slash mobile. And you can uh, well, save keep, that. They just keep coming up. They with stuff, are they? very techy. Yeah, they it's are. a really techy group over there. And I, I can't tell you what wonderful people. And I would call them driver advocates Definitely. for sure. So anyway, that's one announcement. I want to just mention this came out recently. This is interesting. And we saw this. Um, James Lamb put this out there of SBTC. Note the uh, announcement of the FMC, which is the Federal Maritime Commission, is dropping the 2013 proposed rule, uh, 515.21, in which they stated they were going to raise the ocean freight forwarder bond to reflect inflation. 
Now they now intend to keep it at fifty thousand. It was supposed to go up to seventy five thousand, which brings to thought that the ocean bond is leaving theirs to fifty thousand, despite last year's increase in the <laughs> FMCSA property broker, uh, freight broker bond to seventy five. So there's uh, it, it's a little interesting how that works. One other note: uh, the FMCSA is soon to release. A proposal to raise the motor carrier independent uh, trucker liability insurance to either adjust for inflation or significantly raise it beyond inflation. And Alan, I don't know. It's either going to. I mean, well, what that's it, already at seven hundred fifty thousand, right? Uh, yeah. And, and they haven't said how much. They Ooh. haven't said how much, but I have heard numbers, and I can't believe it would go this high as four point four million. It's probably going to go like maybe in a million and a half, a million. I I have no I idea. I would think. Between one and a half to two million, but who knows? Oh, I I know, but it it <coughs> it's interesting how the federal marine, the federal maritime commission has actually kept theirs. They've decided to keep theirs at fifty thousand and forget inflation. So, I guess it's all how people look at these things. Um, once again, for <laughs> all everybody, about how much money you can push uh, under the table? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Um, uh, I'll just end saying, um, you know, we are really excited once again about our two latest websites, truckingsocialmedia.com, uh, com, and uh, we are looking for people who want to join the circle of trust, as we call it, people who are committed. Uh, we are selective on advertising and sponsors, uh, but if you feel you're on board to support professional tr- truck drivers and you're a person uh, or a company of integrity, then you can call us at 352-465-7476 or write us at info at truthabouttrucking.com. And we'll be, uh, we'll be thrilled to speak to you uh, about supporting professional truck drivers. And... Uh You've got uh, what Jeff coming on that board a uh, contributor. Oh, we yeah, we're I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me. Uh we're we're having contributors come onto the North American Trucking Alerts website and contributors it'll as they may not know what that means. Oh, uh videos, uh articles, information. anything information, uh anything that uh holds to either making a pledge, uh working on a solution it's it's more of an active site so when you contribute you you have a an idea that you're following through with so for example you know if like Jeff's really big on image so you know he's going to if he writes an he's article he's a great writer too so. yeah and plus he's an excellent writer um he was a journalist for 9 years so yeah um so he'll he'll write about what he is actually doing to contribute to the positive image. And I'm sure, you know, he, he, he'll he be writing about other things too. But we have uh, Brian Carlson of the Drive for Freedom organization. And he, if you go on Ask the Trucker, he just wrote a wonderful post uh, on Ask the Trucker. Um, I guess it's facebook.com forward slash Ask the Trucker. It's, it's Alan's personal page. And... Um, I do a lot of the social media, so I took that and I shared it in a lot of the groups, and it got a lot of positive reviews on his idea of the accountability that needs to take place. And that's what this website's all about, accountability. And um, so he's going to be a contributor. 
And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other people. I haven't checked the email today since we did the call to uh, action for people to be contributors to this website. But what it's going to do, it's really going to create a unity uh, within, within the trucking community. And we're looking for carriers, shippers, freight brokers, and organizations uh, who are stepping up and what they want to do to be accountable, take their pledge of what they're going to do to be accountable. And this is what we were trying to say before. The unions are a great idea for wages and to get drivers what they want. But you know what? If if everybody steps up and addresses this problem uh, about the truck driver shortage and why it's happening, then we believe that our vision is that the industry can fix this problem themselves. So we'll see. Uh, we're very excited about it, and it's uh, and it's right in line with the truckingsocialmedia.com website also. So, um, okay, I, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm getting my warning. Okay, well, I've said it tonight. Um, thanks everybody for coming on uh, our show. I really enjoyed it. It was a great, great show, and I'll let Alan take over and close out. That's it. All right. Well, yeah, it was a great show. I had a lot of listeners. Appreciate you listening and those joining the conversation. It's a good conversation. Really enjoyed it. So uh, we will catch you next time on behalf of uh, Donna Smith, truthabouttrucking.com, com, truckingsocialmedia.com. I guess I can say NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com yeah, now, huh? Yeah, you can add that to the mix. Add that, Blog Talk Radio, and Truth About Trucking Live. I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe. And thanks for listening. I've been driving these rigs since 79. Never got a ticket, never crossed the line. Dinner's on the table, but it's gonna get cold. Gotta get going, I've got freight too low Well, I was running through Atlanta doing 58 A four-wheeler cut me off, so I slammed my brakes Well, the truck went left, but the trailer threw right And I saw my life flash before my eyes I'm just trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the, the trucking brand I was fighting the wheel And the next thing I know I hit the sidewall and over I go Falling so fast I had no time to scream Burning hot metal flying all around me Well, I laid there for a minute, living out of my head Not knowing if I was alive or dead The highway patrol said, let me give you a hand Then he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants I'm just trying to make a living, running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the, the trucking brand
my burning rig Checked out the damage that was done to the bridge Feeling a little crazy and dizzy in the head Barely heard the words that officer said $10,000 fine and your CDL is gone Better call your mama to come take you home Three million miles and never a glitch The four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the the trucking brand Trucking brand. 